Monarch, Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Some things are just better together. Like party playlists and Friday nights. Campfires and ghost stories. Peanut butter and chocolate. And Reese's Cups are the perfect combination of creamy peanut butter and delicious milk chocolate. So, when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Buy Reese's today wherever candy is sold. I just want to jump in here with a quick note about some changes that are happening. This podcast is now going ad-supported. What that means is I will be releasing select episodes from the hundreds of episodes I have archived now on Patreon and releasing them here. A lot of these were recorded a couple of years ago during 2020 especially. However, I have gone through them and deemed that the parenting information was still really relevant. So just be aware that some of these releases may be out of order chronologically. Also, if you would like to listen to the podcast ad-free, you can still join Patreon. I'll still be releasing podcasts there with a few bonuses. One is that it will be ad-free. One will be that you get the podcast slightly earlier than everybody else. And I'll also be doing a bonus episode every month with a Q&A that's patron specific. So if that's something you'd like to do, you can join for a dollar a month and we'll see you there. Thanks, guys. Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, But Holy Fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hey, hey, welcome, welcome. Today, I want to talk about talking and all the various things about talking to our kids. I want to discuss over-talking. I want to briefly go over some things you should never say to your child. And I want to go over what to do when people say shit to your kid that you don't approve of, particularly grandparents. So let's tackle over-talking first, because in general, we talk way too much to our littles. We use too many words, and their brains that are just developing can't really handle it. They have undeveloped frontal lobes, undeveloped limbic systems. They just can't handle all the words we throw at them. And we're told often that we should like be narrating. And I know like if a child has a speech delay, sometimes the speech therapist will say, you know, talk, talk everything, talk about, you know, narrate, narrate your day. And of course there are special circumstances, but in general, if we're narrating the whole day, if we're narrating what we're doing all the time, we are leaving no room for the child to think for themselves. And There's a mixture of things that create this thing that I'm seeing in kids today, but there's a blankness. I see it in some of Pascal's friends. It's like, if you're not directing them, if you're not speaking, it's almost like nothing's going on in their head. And it's very worrisome. And I don't think it's all because we overtalk. I think there's several things at play, but I do think overtalking has to do with this. We want your child to have their own inner dialogue, their own experience, right? And so if you're constantly talking 
they either will tune you out to get that space in their head or they just won't have it, right? Their wor- their mind will be filled with your words. But there's other things that come up with over-talking too. And generally speaking, you get bad responses. <laughs> and one response is a shitty reaction or you get that your child ignores you because it becomes too much and it becomes blah, 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 Jamie. That's all I hear, right? So in a past episode, I talked about eating and how too much food on a plate can be really overwhelming for a child. And they react by not saying I'm overwhelmed. I'd like less food. They react badly. They react by pushing their plate. They are fidgety at the dinner table. They may appear to not like the food when in reality, it's just too much on their plate. And they're like, whoa, that's kind of what happens when we use too many words or when we give too many directives. It just gets overwhelming. And I wish our toddlers could say, mommy, I'm overwhelmed. Please slow down. <laughs> right? But they don't. Instead, you just get a really shitty reaction. So directives are one of the areas that we usually have to work on. So directives are like when you want your child to do something, right? Like go get your shoes or go get dressed, those kinds of things. So you want to be really, really basic in your directives. You don't want to give a lot of superfluous information. And I'll go off on a tangent here. It's funny because this part, what I'm about to say, I I probably mentioned it before, but when I work with families, particularly when mom and dad are on the original call together, this comes up so much. And it's so funny because uh, my editors cut it from, oh crap, I have a toddler. And it's one of these things that comes up in private clients and, and everybody's like, yes, that's so true. So I wanted to go over it because it has to do with limbic systems and limbic systems are like how your child hears the information and processes it and then reacts. And men have a smaller limbic system. Men in the brain, it's 50% smaller and slower. And that's not a judgment. It's it's just a fact of the genders and it's a fact of biology. And I actually went to a brain fair and the guy leading the brain fair was pointing at the limbic system. And he was like, as we know, men have a smaller um, one than women, or perhaps women have too big of one. I don't know. If we wanna, I hate using those words because they sound judgmental. But but generally speaking, what happens is, and these are, of course, generalizations. Everybody's brain works differently. But men follow a direct path. So it's like A to B, B to C, C to D. Women tend to think more like a tangential. So like you have a main idea and there's all these other offshoots. Yeah. So what happens is that with Men oftentimes, and I always use this example, and the dads in the, when I talk to dads, they're like, I knew she used too many words. So we use too many words as women, men, and then men don't hear the rest of it. And I use this example all the time. So like, I think I've done this before in a podcast, but I'll do it again because it's, it's so important to deal with our little ones. So like you might say, Hey, honey, I have to go out. I'm going to run out and get the gluten-free cupcakes from Whole Foods because Janice just found out that Mia is has celiac. So we need to make sure that she has gluten-free. The kids are probably going to want to ride bikes at the party. So if you could go into the garage and, and move the lawnmower and get the bikes out so that they can ride and get the balance bike for the little guy because he's not ready He's not ready for a two-wheeler. And then you get in the car and you go to go to Whole Foods to get your gluten-free cupcakes. And you come back and there's your man in the garage and he's like doing something else. And you're like, honey, I asked you to take the bikes down. And he's like, oh, I just heard that you were going to get cupcakes. And so we like, we like lose our mind. But literally he stopped hearing 
you gave way too much information and way too many directives. And probably I'm almost willing to bet you were talking too fast. What's amazing is when I started discovering this, dads would be like, yes, I want to do the thing she asked me, but it was like in all these cloudy words. (laughs) So I asked Pascal, I said, Pascal, do I? Do I use too many words? And he's like, oh my God, all the time. I can't keep track. And I said, do I talk too fast? And he's like, all the time. And so now we have this like real great system where he's like, mom, too much information. Like I give all the surrounding information instead of just the nugget, right? And it's been so successful with me and Pascal. He literally holds up a time outside and he's like, mom, slow down, stop. What do you want me to do? And I just give him the actual directive. And have you ever, I think this is really funny because it explains so much. And again, it's not a judgment. I know when I'm texting Pascal or when I'm texting my male friends, like I can't ask more than one question in a text. They will only answer the first one. And so if we can frame that in our lives, first of all, it helps with our spouse relationships and it's on us. It's on the females to shave the language because we're adding too much to the conversation. So how, why this applies to our kids is because the, the gender differences don't matter when they're little. They both have undeveloped limbic systems. So that applies how we can generalize and say how men are hearing the information. We can say both are female and male little toddlers are hearing that same thing. So we're talking too fast and we're giving too much superfluous information that the child can't take in. So this is really important when given directives. We go through this, I say this all the time in potty training is like, take your directives down to almost just bare bones. What do you want the child to do? They don't need all the information. They don't need to know I'm running late. So you need to do X, Y, and Z. They don't need to know I'm running late. They, they only need to know what you want them to do. And this will help so much. It gives them a second to, to hear you. It gives them a second to process it. And it's just a cleaner emotional transaction. And we always are looking for that. Like I, That's what I call it, clean emotional transaction. You ask for something and your child can do it. So I call that shaving language. It's really when when will a few words do instead of all the chatter? And this really comes up too when you need to remind your child of something. I've been talking about this endlessly, this sort of new expectation we have that kids are going to be quote unquote good. They're going to have good behavior. They're going to listen. I can't tell you the amount of parents who come to me and say, well, I want my child to listen to me on the first time. And I'm like, yeah, good luck. That's like the parenting genie in the bottle wish. Everybody wishes that, right? But we need to remind them of things. And so a lot of times when parents need to remind them, again, they'll go on with all these extra words. I asked you to do that the last time. How many times do I have to tell you? And I'll never forget. I asked Pascal that one day, I was like, oh man, how many times do I have to tell you? And he was like, all of them. (laughs) I was like, all right, lesson learned. So when will a few words do? And when you have to remind kids, this is a great place for literally one word, eat, potty, excellent, backpack. You know, if your kid comes in, backpack is always on the floor. Yes, I wish they would hang it by the door every single time, but they're not going to. So do you have to say that? No. Oh, Pascal, I wish you would hang your backpack by the door every day I ask you and every day you don't and put it, you know, too many words, bud, backpack. And then he goes, okay, right. Backpack goes on the hook by the door. Okay. When we over talk, the biggest problem, like I said, is we're unlikely to get a good response. Yeah. They will probably just ignore you. And it's like the, um, 
Do you remember the Charlie Brown teacher? Wah, 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 wah. That's what they're hearing. Or they'll, they'll freak out. Toddlers are famous for like freaking out because you've just kind of like hijacked their brain with too many words. And they're, they, they get on overload and it's like, Phew. yeah. And that's when you get these sort of explosive reactions. But there's also that like, what I talked about in the beginning, right? And I talk about this in, oh crap, I have a toddler. When we are, when they're littler, you know, like babies up to like 18 months before they really have a command of language. When we are over talking, we're not letting them experience the world in their own terms. And so we really want the child to be like, "Mm," I almost think of, I almost think of their like developing brain as like, a sort of sieve. And when you put, you know, they've got to shake everything out, you know, when you're like shaking uh, spaghetti in a, in a sieve, that's what they're doing. They're taking everything you say and they're kind of shaking it through their filter. And so do you ever see a kid like talking to themselves? They're walking around. They're like, okay, I'm going to pick up my blocks now. And then I'm going to go to my room and I'm going to put my baby away. And then I'm going to put my sweatshirt. That is freaking awesome. So you really want to start looking for that, or especially around like four, three, four, five, you want your child to be talking to themselves because that lets you know that they are processing and they are they are owning whatever it is they're talking about. They're owning it for themselves. And this comes up in potty training. And, you know, the parents, the child might still like be having accidents and the parent says, but, you know, she's walking around with her baby and she's like, okay, now you're going to go potty. Now you're going to pull down your pants. Now you're going to ba 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 ba. And I'm like, great, that's perfect. She's totally on the right track because she's starting to own it. She's processing it out loud. Okay. Now a little tangent on that thought that, you know, when the child's talking to themselves, how we speak to our children becomes their inner voice. And so you want to be cautious because if they need to be reminded a billion times, that simple word will do because a lot of times we put a lot of judgment when we're over talking, right? So the words that come out are, you know, I've asked you a billion times to pick up your backpack off the floor and you never do it. And I'm getting tired of doing that. And so then the child starts to, instead of owning the process of like, oh, right, the backpack goes on the hook by the door, they start owning all those other words, which is like, God, you never do what I ask you. You're always doing that. We shouldn't go to catastrophic thinking. And that's what happens. I know myself, like I have to curb my language so many times because when I start to use all the words, the words get judgmental. They just do. And so instead of like, put your backpack on the hook by the door, it becomes that catastrophic. Oh my God, you never do this. I always ask you, no, no, no. The always and never is like, that's what I call catastrophic thinking. And it is almost never true. Um, to use the word. So it's so easy to slip into judgment when we overtalk. And I, I think this is true of anything with when we are fighting with our partners or our spouse, when we're having a hard time with a friend, the more we talk, the more the judgment comes through. Cause it could just be like, Hey man, I need you to do X, Y, and Z. And then you feel like you have to overtalk and explain why you need it, why you're setting the boundary. And then that always almost devolves into, dissolves into a judgmental talk. Yeah. And it's kind of trippy when you think about it. So speaking of catastrophic thinking, let's, let's bounce now to like things that you should probably 
never really do or say with your kids. And of course, we're gonna, we're gonna make mistakes. We're human and that's okay. And you can apologize. So again, the catastrophic thinking, the catastrophic usually happens. And this just happened last night with Pascal. So just to let you know, I'm, this is, I'm a work in progress as well, you know, and he had a pissed me off about something. And I, I really, I was like, dude, I just, I can't talk to you right now. I'm super angry. And I just, I don't want to say the wrong words. And then when I did start to talk, I, it slipped into judgment and I was like, okay, I got to I have to be quiet now, Pascal, because I, I need you to do X, Y, and Z, but I don't want to be judgmental about it. Yeah. A lot of times when the kids are toddlers, this comes out in yelling. Yeah. And yelling to me by definition is when you, the parent have dysregulated. So you are no longer in control of your, your thoughts, your actions, your words, you're a little off the rails. And so that's when you start to get like, you always, you never, you're this, you're that. We want to avoid that. And we really want to avoid, you know, you never do this. You're such a bad boy. You're such a bad girl. You're such a bad kid. We never want to attack the child's actual person. We want to be very clear that we're unhappy with the behavior. Yeah. And I've gone through this thought on several podcasts too, is you don't want to attach emotion to it. So when you leave your backpack on the floor, you make me really sad. Don't put that on your, your five-year-old. Like it's, it's not that they make you sad. It's that that the backpack just needs to be off the floor. Yeah. (laughs) So don't put your emotions don't on, on your child's behavior. Monarch Legacy of Monsters, an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th. This place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything, I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Streaming November 17th, only on Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, a few things that you what we really shouldn't say. When your child appears to be uncomfortable with something, don't ask them if they're scared. Oh, are you scared of the high slide? They're going to say yes. And then you've just given them like uh, a new way to be and to get out of things. Oh, I'm scared. And again, we go through this with potty training a lot. Like a child will say they're scared to poop. And I'm like, no, they're not. They poop just fine in their diaper. They're uncomfortable pooping on the potty. It's weird. It feels different. It's new. So try to give your child some more language to express the actual emotion. So scared just backs you into a corner because there's kind of nowhere to go with scared. Scared and hurt are two hot buttons for kids and they know that. So it's as a parent, you sort of have to stop dead in your tracks when your kid says, I'm scared. It's not like you're like, oh, you're scared. Okay, well, we'll do it anyway. <laughs> it's really hard to do with a toddler, right? So don't lead them into I'm scared. Cause again, it's like a corner you kind of can't get out of. So that's one thing. Definitely don't say. One thing I cannot stand, and I think it's really not cool and it's damaging, is to reflect the toddler voice to your kid. So this is infantilizing. This is baby talk. You know, when your kid's an infant and you're like cooing back to them, totally appropriate. And of course, we all, with infants, we're like, oh my God, I'm gonna eat your feet, you know? And we do the baby talk. And baby talk is like, okay, you know, like if you're tucking your child in and again, you're like, oh, I want to kiss those cheeks. Like that's cool, but not in daily life. And so you don't want to, Oh, you want to eat a sandwich? There's no need for that. And it's really, it's infantilizing. And the minute we just kind of keep forgetting this, I think is like the minute your child 
is born, they're starting to grow. So after they get out of the infant stage, we want them out of the infant stage. Yeah. It also just, it keeps them, I don't know. I've seen just kids have really bad reactions. In fact, I had a friend who her kid was five and she would just repeat everything the kid said in the kid's voice. And I was like, she has that voice because she's five. Like her vocal cords haven't developed. Like, you a grown woman, stop talking like that. (laughs) And I know they might sound so cute, but you don't, need to converse. You're you're an adult. Talk just like you're talking to another human, yeah? And you'll get a better reaction from your kid. On that note, don't repeat their mistakes. Like if I remember Pascal said, uh, instead of delicate, he used decolate in in reference to my mom. So he would say, oh, meme is so decolate. And it was just the cutest fucking thing ever. And I never wanted him to fix it. I wanted him to make this mistake forever. It was so cute. But don't do that to your kid. Don't reflect back the wrong word. So I would not say like, yes, you're right. Meme is so decolate. I'd say, yep, Meme is pretty delicate right now. We have to be a little careful with her. And it doesn't mean that you have to like correct the mistake, right? But don't reflect it back. So I see that a lot, parents, like reflecting back a lisp or, oh, that's, oh, is that the, you know, they'll do the lisp back to the child or they'll repeat the word that was like, not the right word. And I know, I know it's cute, but- (laughs) but don't do that. And then sort of the last thing I I wanted to talk about is the the sort of subtle shame of big boy, big girl. So I hear that a lot. You're such a big boy. You're such a big girl. And yes, that can be praise. And it can, the problem with big boy, big girl is there's a couple of, and of course you guys, I'm splitting hairs here. This is like fine tuning parenting. If you say this, you're not going to like crush your kid forever and they're not going to have a successful life, (laughs) but there are some subtle things to think about. So a lot of times it's like, oh, you're such a big boy. Like it's a weird form of praise. I think it'd be better to be like, wow, you know, you really, you did that by yourself. That's so cool. Excellent. Give them a really sincere praise for the thing they did. I feel like sometimes, oh my goodness, you're such a big boy, comes out a little like good job and how I did that. You know, I did that podcast on the perils of saying good job all the time. And then there's a subtle shame in it when you are saying it like, you know, stop crying, you're a big boy. Or yeah, like when you want the chat, when the child's, you know, leaning into being on a, a younger reaction. And so we want them to step into a a bigger child reaction. And so that's like a shaming thing because a lot of, you know, they're, um, they're emotionally a mess at this age. They're so prone to dysregulation. So it can be a subtle shaming. And then I really don't like it when the child, when you have a second child. And so, you know, like you're pregnant and your first child, everybody you meet on the street is going to be like, oh my God, you're going to be a big brother. You know, you're such a big boy. And that's like the child really basks in that glow. And so that's cool. But then when the second baby comes, the big boy, big girl talk can contribute to a regression, actually, because the baby, if you think about it, oh, my God, the baby gets everything and can do nothing. So you look at it from your three or four year old's viewpoint and it's like they're working on all these skills And then this lump comes out of you and it's eight pounds of crying. All it does is poop and eat and everybody loves it. So being a big boy in that scenario isn't the best deal. It's kind of a raw deal, actually. So it's not like a badge of honor. Your kid doesn't want to be a big kid in those moments. Your kid wants to be sitting on your lap being cooed at and and cuddled and getting all the love for doing absolutely nothing. So again, it's not like a tragic psychological thing. It's just it's 
not going to get you the best response and it's not going to be effective. It's saying it is going to kind of have the opposite effect. This sort of brings us to this question that I'm getting all over the place in, in all kinds of ways, shapes, and forms. And I think part of it is because we quarantined. I know so many families I worked with, the minute we went under quarantine, they flew to their parents' house to quarantine sort of as a compound, like almost all my private clients during quarantine. And so I think grandparent behavior was sort of highlighted. I also know that a lot of people now are choosing to live near their parents to get the village, to get help with childcare. And I did that. I moved from San Francisco to Rhode Island to be closer to my parents, to have that a tighter village and have help. So we have grandparents interacting with their kids like all the time, grandparents acting interacting with their grandchildren all the time. And so parents are coming to me being like, you know, what can I do? My, again, going back to that podcast about good job, a lot of people on Patreon asked me, you know, what can I do if my parents say good job for the littlest thing? Or what can I do when my grand, when my parents say things that I don't like, or, you know, that are gender stereotyping or inappropriate or politically incorrect. And so My answer is, you know, like most of my answers in these cases, it really just depends if you want to ignore or correct. My personal view, so I know there's like a lot of things going on right now. I know with racial injustice, I know with gender stuff, there's so much going on. And I know there's this like hardcore party line of nobody gets a free pass, you know, bring people to the mat on everything that comes out of their mouth. And I think family dynamics are way too complicated to just overall say that. And so I feel like with everything, you just have to judge you, your boundaries, your parents, your relatives, and understand what's going on. The biggest thing when we go to correct grandparents about what they're saying is what's their reaction going to be? Are are you going to be heard? Is it going to land? And that's how I frame all my hard conversations is like, are my words going to land properly? Or are my words going to hit a wall of shame, bounce back, not land at all on the person? We're not going to have a dialogue. And instead, I'm going to have a butthurt parent. You know what I mean? And then that opens a whole nother can of arguments and worms. And is it worth it for you? And at the end, we always, whenever we have to address another person's behavior, we have to look at you know, the end end of the line, like, are we willing to sacrifice this relationship? And that, that sort of directs how you are going to correct a person. And like, that just went really deep for a grandparent saying, good job. <laughs> so, you know, again, it depends on your relationship. I will go through a few things. Like, Grandparents have all kinds of responses, right? Like, are they passive aggressive? Are they actually interested? Like, are they interested in how you parent? So my mom's pretty passive aggressive. My mom gets easily butthurt. I'd say she's got some narcissistic tendencies. Um, she will never listen to this podcast, which is why I'm saying all of that. <laughs> um, so, you know, but generally speaking, I would say she was pretty interested in how I parented Pascal. And she was also interested in, she has this idea whenever, you know, she loves watching other people's kids and she's like, but I'll always follow the parents' rules, except that my mom will feed your child very healthy and will not entertain your bullshit about what your kid will and won't eat because she believes all kids will eat everything and she will make your child sleep. And it's unbelievable. People say, no, 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 my kid doesn't nap. And she was like, they will at my house. But she was pretty interested in how I parented. So there's these like, you know, if that's your parent, then yeah, of course you can have the dialogue with them. But if you're going to just get this passive aggressive, oh, well, sue me, uh, you know, everybody 
you can't even say anything these days. Well, is it going to land? So it's a kind of pick your battles on this one. What do you think is like super important? Because if you micromanage anybody, it's probably not going to go well. So for me, the endless, like, good job, good job. So that came up a lot. People were like, oh, my mom just says good job for like my son breathing. And it's so annoying. Good job might be one that you don't necessarily have to attack head on. I would say that for me, this is one that I either personally let go or I joke about it. I'll be like, ma, stop saying good job. Like, I and this other podcast, people love this slide. I was like, he just went down the slide. It's gravity. He didn't do anything. Like he didn't, it wasn't even like he was nervous. Like, if, and you know, if a kid's nervous about going down the slide and you want to commend them on that, say, hey, I can see that you were nervous and you did it anyway. That's awesome. Just don't do the blanket good job or I'll, you know, I'll, I'll make a joke about it. Like, ma, he, he did a shitty drawing. Don't tell him good job. You know what I mean? And it may or may not land again. I do think, though, that there are some things that you have to call to the mat. Number one, you have to remember that whatever your kid hears, chances are they're going to say. And a lot of times it does become a part of them. So you have to be really, really cautious. Like if your dad is like misogynistic and and says all this shit about women and your kid's going to spend a lot of time with them, your kid's going to pick up on that. Do you know what I mean? So you have to kind of gauge that. So I think there are some like really obvious ones. And I'll, I'm just going to give my personal examples because I, I feel like there's a ton of these and it really depends on you, your value system and what you want to go to the mat with your parents. But like, so my dad, a few big ones were um, you throw like a girl <laughs> um, or you run like a girl. Uh, boys don't cry. He says, Jesus Christ, like all that, oh, Jesus Christ. And so like watching your three-year-old like drop a toy and go like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> not cool. Here in New England, there's a phrase, you're so retarded. You're so retarded, people say. And so obviously we don't say retarded in that frame. Like we say it at all. Indian giver, that's a big one. And so I had to go through those with my dad and he was like, Oh, Jesus Christ, you can't say anything these days. Like he got kind of huffy about it. And I was like, no, no, no. It's really about the fact that he's going to say this on the playground and he's going to get in trouble. You know, like if he says Jesus Christ or if he says retarded like that, he's going to get in trouble. And we don't want him getting in trouble, but also like we don't, we want to be kind at like introducing political correctness to him was a whole nother thing. And so it did land with him eventually, you know, and then throw like a girl, we had to pull up like, the fast pitchers of the girls run like a girl. I pulled up all these, you know, marathon um, sprinters, you know, running like a girl. And so he was like, okay, yeah, you're right. You have to like, and then boys don't cry. He was like, no, he's got a man up. I was like, he's three. He does not need to man up. Like, no, let him express his emotions. So those were ones that I felt like I needed to address. I have zero patience for, do you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend talking to children? I do not like that. I would go to the mat on that, but funny enough, Pascal went to the mat for himself on that. And it was my grandmother. And it's one of these things. My grandmother's in the nursing home. She's got Alzheimer's. She's got dementia. Like she's kind of not there. She was 93. She ended up dying that same year. Pascal loved going to the nursing home, loved her to death. And she would say, you know, who's your girlfriend? And I, now again, 
I don't have patience for that, but what am I going to do? It's my 93-year-old grandmother who's dying. Like, is that really something I'm going to go to the mat on? But what ended up happening is I didn't have to do anything because Pascal said, Grandma, I have girls who are friends, but I'm too little to have a girlfriend. And she said, you don't kiss the girls. And he said, no, Grandma, I kiss you and I kiss mommy. I don't No, I'm too little. And so it was kind of awesome because he just took care of it on his own. So, So yeah, so that's, those are some examples. Again, I just, I feel like, It's so tenuous. And I want to give you a little permission that you don't have to go to the mat with your parents on every little thing. If it's going to wreck the relationship or create schisms or your parents aren't going to then babysit your kids or something like that, like you have to be cautious. And I know a friend of mine just had this situation like even years ago, I was like, dude, you just got to cut off. Your mom's so toxic. Like you have to just cut off. And she was like, I can't, like we rely so much on her. I can't just cut off contact. And then recently her daughter lost a tooth and she swallowed it. And so my friend who's, who's a very religious person said, you know, the, don't worry, the tooth fairy has a spell. She can get the tooth out of you. Don't worry about it. And then, you know, her mom came over and her mom's super duper religious. And her mom was like, no, there's no such thing as the tooth fairy, the tooth fairy. There's no such thing as spells. That's magic. Like her mom came down on the little girl. And my friend finally was like, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And she was like, you may not be around my kids if you don't respect my parenting, if you don't respect what I, how I talk to my kids. And so like now they, they have no contact. And so that was a, a severing because she like the mom went too far. So I think that it, it's such a good example of like, sometimes we have to swallow things with our parents to keep the peace or to do whatever. And then other times it's like, no, I'm drawing the hard line in the sand. And I don't even care if I wreck the relationship over this because there is no relationship if you can't respect me. So just by way of saying, I think every situation is different and don't worry wherever you are on that spectrum. It's okay. Grant yourself some grace for having the relationship you have. And if you have to let some things go, it will be fine. You know, my grandparents said all kinds of shit and it didn't take. (laughs) (laughs) All right, you guys, I will let you go for today. As always, I appreciate your support. That was a whole lot of talking about talking. So I'm going to stop talking now. As always, rock on. All right. I'm going to sign off for today. You can always go to jamieglowacki.com for the super cool latest updates, including the launch of my new book, yummy new book presale treats, when we release new episodes, and how to work with me directly. And of course, if you need any potty training help, there's a handy link there that will take you to all my potty training resources, including all my courses. That's the Oh Crap Potty Training online course, my pooping solutions course, and my night training supplement. And if you need additional help, how to book with a certified OCRAP consultant. That's all at jamieglowacki.com. Have a beautiful day and rock on.